Hello, this is Do Go On. I'm Matt Stewart. And I'm Taran Jayamana. And uh, we're in Sydney. And uh, we're about to be in Brisbane. And we're doing live shows. They're called Dry Dryer. And also, who knew with Matt Stewart in both those cities? And you can get details at mattstewartcomedy.com. Anything else you want to tell the good listeners that do go on, Saran? Well, the whole point of this was you thought that it might be more engaging if you had a different voice. But you've said most of the information. So, hey, come see us in Sydney and Brisbane. Yeah, that was engaging. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. This podcast is brought to you by Squarespace, the all-in-one website platform for entrepreneurs to stand out and succeed online. Whether it's your first ever website or your business is expanding, Squarespace makes it easy to create a beautiful website and engage with your audience. Upload video content, organize your video library, and showcase your content on beautiful video pages. You can even sell access to your video library by adding a paywall to your content. Cha-ching! <laughs> you can help with written content on your website with Squarespace AI, which I used to write this next sentence, so check this out. Generate instant, personalized results that know and show your brand identity. Explain what your site is about, choose your tone, and enter what you need to get short or long-form text. Squarespace AI... Squarespace AI makes it easier to go live, stand out, and succeed online. Oh, Dave, if only it could also not just write it, but read it too. <laughs> and edit it. <laughs> hey, sell exclusive content on your site by adding a paywall to sell memberships or courses. Or sell files your customers can download like PDFs, music, or ebooks. Man, it's starting to sound like I'm obsessed with money. <laughs> <laughs> and you are. So head to squarespace.com slash do go on for a free trial and to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. This podcast is part of the Planet Broadcasting Network. Visit planetbroadcasting.com for more podcasts from our great mates. Hello and welcome to another episode of Do Go On. My name is Dave Warnicky and always I am, and always, and as always, always I am here. Always and forever, Dave. I never leave this room. But when I am in this room, sometimes I'm joined by Jess Perkins and Matt Stewart. Hello. Hi, I'm Matt Stewart. Oh, hi, I'm Jess Perkins. You can call me Jess. Yeah, I will, Jess. <laughs> I wonder how many times we've done a joke like that. Never. What joke? In the world. I'm Matt. He has no idea. Hang on. He's so fucking stupid. I wonder what he thinks the joke is. <laughs> Great question, Jess. Is it because I, I, me, Jess, would normally say you can call me Bop? Yeah. <laughs> Very good joke. Anyway, let's get on with the show, uh, D- uh, Matt and Dave. <laughs> that was close. That was real close. Well, I don't know who I am anymore, but it's great to be here um, with two people. <laughs> two. Two of whom I have equal respect for. Thank you very much. 
Anyway, on this show we do here, the three of us, you, uh, Dave, me, Matt, or Jess, or whatever we are now, and Jess or Matt over there, <laughs> each week we rotate between us uh, to do a report on a topic that the other two do not know what it is. It's been suggested by a listener or voted on by a listener. This week it's Dave's turn. He's going to tell Jess and I, he's going to school us in a topic. Oh, I'm excited. He starts it off with a question to get us on topic. Dave, please ask your question. All right, to get us on topic. Now, lately I've been enjoying how we've done so many episodes now Mm -hmm. that a lot of the topics have started crossing over or making reference to other. You're like, oh, that was during a similar time. Well, this is a direct spin-off. Of a Jess report. Of a Jess report? The second best kind of report. (laughs) (laughs) Fuck you, Matt. Fuck you. (laughs) Is it going to be Prince Charles? She did Queen Elizabeth II. I mean, I've done I did Queen Elizabeth II. That was me. (gasps) What? I noticed you wrote that in the Patreon. That was me. I don't know what that means. What? I I wrote because you both love the Queen. Oh, who doesn't? Oh, I merged you guys queen. together. Did you I'd... see that video of her recently losing her shit because cows are there? Yeah. Oh, cows! Very so good. fucking cute. Oh, I haven't seen that. Very, oh, very I'll show cute. you later. I'm stopping the recording <laughs> to find this video. So and we're back. Qu- it was very funny. <laughs> <laughs> okay, my what, que- what's question. What's your question, Dave? I interrupted you saying my question to ask you what your question was. <laughs> I'm eager. the worst person in the world. All right. Which German POW camp was... Our mate Charles Upham sent oh. to. You did Charles oh, Upham, shit. so Jess will know for sure. So, Matt's yeah, up but the hook. I remember we talked. I talked super briefly about it, and then other people commented, "Like you should do a whole report on that." And now because I can't the ta- remember the name at all. At the time, I said, "Oh, that's really interesting. I should do a report on that." And we got a lot of people saying, "Do that report." So I've right. been thinking about doing it for a long what, time. What? It's a castle. Yeah. Oh, oh right. I know exactly yes. what you're talking about. I can't think of the name. Give me the first letter. I'm not going to remember anyway. It also starts with C. Bit of alliteration. Charles Castle. Close enough. Colditz Castle. Yeah, I got it. Woo! Perkins. Perkins. So it's all about the architecture this episode? Yes, and I go through every single archway. Just the archways of Colditz Castle. A nine-hour report. (laughs) Strap in, everyone. (laughs) No, uh, so Charles Upham was sent to Colditz Castle in 1944. And uh, so at the time I said, we should do a report on that. And a few people requested it as a topic, including Ryan Messer, Maddie Ray, Jack Lesseur, Victor Gemino, Curtis Benick, and Alan Theobald. So thank you for all those people. Awesome. It's quite a few. Quite yeah, a quite few. Quite a few. So apart from Charles Huffman being sent there in 1944, you, you don't know much no, I don't about think so. the castle. Matt, have you heard of mm. Colditz Castle? I, I vaguely remember it from that report. Yeah, I would have, like, if I was looking at a Wikipedia article, I would have clicked on that hyperlink and read sort of the the, in, the intro about it and gone, oh, yeah, and then gone back to what I was reading before. Is this a, would you call this a prequel or a sequel? Oh. Uh, a prequel that then runs alongside and then overtakes. Wow. Amazing. And then, well, actually, you did fin- finish the whole of Charles Upham's life, so then it overtakes it briefly. Only to end with a flashback. It's bloody neck and neck. Oh, wow. Credits at the start. It's complicated. I'm right. really excited. Let's get cracking. I'm so really Colditz Castle is conveniently found in the town of Colditz, ah. which is uh, near Leipzig, which is Germany's 10th most populous city. That's the closest big city. Most popular. That's right. <laughs> they voted. voted by other cities. It's voted by German magazine. Oh. Wow. That's the big one. <laughs> that's the one you want. Oh, yeah. 
Uh, built high up on a hill overlooking a village called its village and the river below. It's built high on a hill. With a lonely goat herd, is that what you're thinking? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Couldn't help but think that. I reckon people around the world just thought that. I did not. I don't know what that, what's that reference. Sound of music. Another yeah. Nazi thing. Right. And unbelievably, I have never seen it. Huh. Huh. There you go. I built high up on a hill overlooking a village and some sort of goat reference. <laughs> a castle a castle of some description has been on the site for nearly 1,000 years. And since that time, it has, it's been added to or completely rebu- rebuilt a number of times in a number of architectural styles. So there's the architecture map. It's been used for a number of uses over the 1,000 years, including as just a castle. Also as a workhouse to feed the poor, uh, a place to look after the ill a place where people who had been arrested were temporarily stored, a mental institution, and a place for people suffering from tuberculosis. What a versatile house. It's had a lot, a lot of uh, uses. I like that the first one was as a castle. <laughs> it's like it's just a house then, isn't it's it? It's pretty unimaginative. Yeah. What can we use this castle for? Oh, I think we could use it for Unt Castle. <laughs> Mm. Yeah, we'll, we'll add that to the suggestion list. First, we'll uh, look after people with tuberculosis. We might come back to Castle later. Uh, when the Nazis gained power during 1933, they converted the castle into a political prison for people they considered undesirable, mainly communists, homosexuals, Jews, and other marginalised groups. There you go. Then World War II broke out. Germany started taking many prisoners of war, some of whom tried to escape. A few of these were so good at escaping that no matter where they put them, they seemed to be able to get out. Mm. So a special high-security prison was needed for these prisoners and Colditz Castle was chosen and it was renamed Offlag 4C. Jesus, such cold names. No, Colditz Castle sounds so cool. Offlag. Offlag 4C. When you, yeah, when a number and a letter, that's just like, it's, that's that's making it like real cold and scientific. Or something. Mm. Somehow they made the, the name cold. It's more cold. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> As I said before, built on a, a rocky outcrop. So if you look at it, it's sort of like surrounded by cliffs. And you look, you're like, oh, it's re- going to be pretty hard to get in there. Oh. You know, like a, you imagine like an Edinburgh Castle type thing. Yeah. Not as dramatic as that, but that kind of thing. The security was deemed to be state of the art. The prison was surrounded by barbed wire and would be completely lit up at night by searchlights. Colditz has walls that are an average of six feet thick, and in some places the walls are three metres thick. What? That seems unnecessary. That seems pretty ridiculous. Crazy. Great insulation, though. You'd stay real cool in summer. Oh, totally. And the recording studio, you can't hear a thing. Oh, that'd be great. How would it be, though, in winter? Would it be cold? Yes. Hard to heat, too? But it would, it would retain the heat. So if, ah. you, if you had a heat source inside, it would be... It would hold it in. Spoken like a true former air conditioner salesman. <laughs> uh, there was one guard for every prisoner keeping an eye on them, which is crazy. One is, for one. One for one. That does, like, it really does sound like if you weren't, if you just heard you had everyone there had their own servant basically and it, you were staying in a castle, you'd be like, this sounds great. The ratio is less extreme when you take kindergartners on an excursion. Oh, way less extreme. It's like one adult for five kids. That's crazy. But then you'd, wouldn't you form a bond with them? You'd have a bit of Stockholm Syndrome, I reckon. Well, in some cases they uh, they really respected each other. Wow. German and the prisoners. Cool. Uh, prisoners were kept in a special section of the, the castle in a, a walled 30-metre-high medieval courtyard 
so 30 meters high. So a lot of the time they felt like they were always in shadow because the walls were so high. And then in a German winter, you don't get much sun at all. And if they made it out of there, there was a sheer 40 meter drop to contend with, as well as a machine gun nest that could (laughs) shoot them to pieces. A nest of with a mama machine gun. Regurgitating bullets. (laughs) 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 What is there a phone call? (laughs) Uh, Hello? Uh, Machine gun nest. I'm a little bit busy. (laughs) Just trying to feed my child. Go for machine gun. (laughs) Uh huh. Uh huh. Yes, I'll hold. (laughs) I'll just uh, put you through now. I can't think of a. I can't do a better machine. <laughs> That's a fart. <laughs> what do, are, is the nest? Are they a little gassy? Uh, Can you do a good? I reckon when I was a kid, I could have done a sweet machine gun noise. That <laughs> 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 deserved the self thumbs up sorry, you gave. Is there some sort of baby goat inside <laughs> the nest? It sounds like when Mo's doing the barnyard animal noise and no one can guess what it is. A baby duck. He's right. About the duck. About about everything, damn it. (laughs) Real good bit. So basically, the odds are against you of getting out. Uh, Inside the prison were captured soldiers from England, France, Serbia, Poland, Australia, New Zealand and Belgium. So you put your baddest of the bad from across Europe, the best escapers in one place where you can keep an eye on them, right? Sounds like a good idea, but then it sort of backfires a bit because the problem was that when you uh, get people that are experts at escaping and put them all in one place, you accidentally create a centre of excellence. (laughs) (laughs) You've basically done the, yeah, the Motley crew, like that movie trope. (laughs) We got we got a, a safe crack. We got a yeah. You've got all the an explosive expert. <laughs> right. You just put together Ocean's Eleven. We have a contortionist. <laughs> yeah. and, That's Ocean's Eleven. Yeah, and you've just said, "I bet you can't escape from this." Yeah, and yeah. they're all like, "Well, we've got years at a time to work shit out. Let's have a go." Yeah, we can brainstorm here. In fact, a friendly rivalry developed among the different nationalities. The officers uh, competed for the highest number of what they called home runs or successful escapes. Basically, if you got someone from your country, they got back home or to a safe country, the prisoners of your nationality got a home run. Oh, my God. That's amazing. So now it's a a game. Yeah. So it does sound like it wasn't the worst place to be. I mean, they got games. You're still a prisoner. I would have thought a Nazi concentration camp. No, so there's a big difference between a concentration camp and a prisoner of war camp. Especially this one, they seem to be... Treated. I'll talk about um, the Geneva Convention was respected in this camp. Right. So they're actually, it's, which is very strange when I think about it, because they're executing people left, right, and centre. They ha- are sort of main- in this camp anyway, yeah, maintaining weird. respect for the prisoners. Uh, Captain Reinhold Eggers was the German security officer of the camp. He's sort of like the the bad guy in this story, who's actually not that bad. He later wrote a book about his time at Colditz and he remarked how the castle had originally been built for people, uh, keeping people out. He wrote, the castle was built to be impossible to get into. My job is to make it impossible to get out of. Because oh. you think about it, that's a castle. Bad boys, bad boys, yeah. what you going to do? Yeah, an explosion goes off <laughs> and he just keeps walking slowly. <laughs> Puts his sunnies <laughs> off. So fucking cool. So, because when you do think about a castle, it, it is, I'd never thought about it this way, but it is mainly to keep people out, not to keep people A castle, in. yes. A mm. prison, no. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so, I'm going to go through some of the escape attempts from Colditz. Some are very successful, others end 
in tragedy. <gasps> Another explosion behind me. <sighs> awesome. How about I? How about I give them chapter titles? Because I've done yes, that here. Yes, David. Yes. The key. Oh my god. Chapter one. Oh my god, I love this. <laughs> yes. At first, the different nationalities kept to themselves, and the Brits formed an escape committee. Amazing. Just so British, of especially of the 1940s. So British. Pat- all right then, chaps. <laughs> all right, all right. I say. <laughs> Pat Reed was chosen to be the leader of the committee. He was 31 years old and before the war had trained as a civil engineer and he was determined to escape. Pat was constantly on the lookout for ways to escape and one day early on uh, in captivity, he noticed that in the prisoner-run canteen, there was a cover on the floor that he speculated could lead to a shaft. He was like, there's a hole there. Why have they covered that up, eh? So one day, Pat got his friends to distract one of the guards who had the key to the canteen around his uh, belt loop while he quietly stole it and he pushed it into a bar of soap. Very good. Good, The outline of it. Perfect outline of the key that could be copied. To make a copy of the key, the British soldiers used an iron bed leg and filed it down until it was exactly the shape of the key. No. Which takes a fucking long time. It takes ages, but it fit the lock perfectly. (laughs) One night, Reed snuck out of his room and into the canteen and was able to find that the manhole led to a sewer which went underneath the thick courtyard walls and then underneath a lawn above of which is soft ground that you could dig through. The only problem was that the lawn was patrolled by a German soldier. To get around this, they bribed, bribed the soldier with 500 marks to leave his post that night. How did they have, how did they have money? They got a bit of uh, money and throughout this they're being sent uh, packages from back home. Okay, you can be sent packages. You can be sent packages and you get stuff from the Red Cross as well. You know what I would have expected a Nazi to do in that case would be just to take the money and kill them and not do it. Yeah, 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 I'll take that bribe. Matt, hashtag not all Nazis. Come on, Matt. They're not all Nazis. (laughs) Not all Nazis are Nazis. Is that true? Factually, no. (laughs) (laughs) Reed selected 12 officers to go with him and they snuck into the canteen one night and all crawled through the sewer. They got underneath the lawn and as Reed dug a hole and poked his head through the grass, he looked up only to find a bunch of German soldiers looking down at him. As Matt speculated, the soldier that they (laughs) tried to bribe had double-crossed them. You can't trust a Nazi. Your gut instinct is absolutely right. Good for you, Matt. Good for you, Matt's gut. (laughs) Yes. Reed yelled at his comrades who were still in the sewer to run back, but once they got out the other side, they found other soldiers waiting for them at the entrance. The Englishmen didn't know what to do, so they just started laughing in the Germans' faces. (laughs) The German soldiers were very confused by this. <laughs> the, the guard they tried to bribe kept his uh, 500 marks. He got extra paid leave, a promotion, and the war service cross. So it worked out really Whoa. good. That's a really good he got, deal. It worked real good. <laughs> Holy shit. Uh, the Geneva Convention said POWs that try to escape shouldn't be shot, and Eggers and the Germans abided by this rule. So none of the sh- soldiers were shot, but the usual punishment for attempting to escape was three weeks in solitary confinement. For all of them? Yep. Shit. That's heaps of weeks, eh? Oh, so many weeks, eh? <laughs> but do they have enough solitary <laughs> yeah. confinement? All three or do of they you have to... to go to the solitary confinement room. But don't now. look at each other. <laughs> well, that's it, yeah. Like, could, do they have enough space to keep them separated? And if they don't, they just make someone stand in the corner and look at the wall. Or you're just on a roster. Like, okay, your punishment will be in 
six weeks' time because I've got two other people in that room before be you. In there. You're on a waiting list. The punishment will be in 36 weeks' time. Yeah. Until then, think about what you've done. <laughs> Until then, business as usual, but oh, you're going you're gonna to get in trouble later. Chapter 2, <gasps> The First Taste of Freedom. Oh, I love it. Oh, this sounds positive. I should – no, see, last time I forgot to get – a clue from the chapter title, which was the key, which makes sense. Now, Matt, what can we read out of the first taste of freedom? I reckon they're going to eat uh, French fries. Yeah. I reckon. Freedom fries. <laughs> I reckon they're not going to use a key in this one. Ooh. And you know. <laughs> Much to the Brits' annoyance, the first home run didn't go to them. In fact, the first prisoner to successfully escape... Colditz was French soldier Alain Leray. French fries. You were right. You were right. God, your gut is on fire today. It's burning. It's burning <laughs> up. His escape wasn't as well thought out and planned and more spur of the moment. Another part of the Geneva Convention was that the soldiers needed fresh air and exercise. That's they had fair. A, had a courtyard, but there's so many of them, they're not really getting much exercise. So every 10 days, they were marched out of the castle by, at gunpoint and down to a local park to play football. What? The, the park was surrounded by barbed wire, so the best place to attempt an escape was during the walk to or from the football field. Elaine, the Frenchman, had already escaped from a previous POW camp and was always on the lookout for a quick getaway. Before the game, Leray was able to find some civilian clothing and he put this on underneath his uniform. And although there was a guard uh, only 10 metres behind him, on the walk back up the hill they passed a sharp bend where he was momentarily out of sight. Oh. No. And there was an abandoned building that they walk past every day, every time they go to this. And fortunately, he tried the door and it was unlocked. So he dashed around the corner and hid inside the building. The Germans at the guardhouse of Colditz failed to notice that a man had gone missing. And after more than an hour, Leray, now wearing civilian clothes, was able to emerge from his hiding place. What? All he had to do was to scale a small wall and then he'd be free. The simplicity of his escape was astonishing and subsequently a number of POWs tried to emulate it but without success. Mm. How did they figure it out? Well, they didn't because the Germans, who discovered the Ray's absence only later that evening when they did a roll call, never worked out how he'd done it, concluding amongst themselves that he must have escaped by going over the roof of the courtyard and climbing down a lightning conductor. Yeah, you'd pole. assume it would have been a time where he was by himself. Yeah. But it's interesting that no one mm. noticed he was missing till later when they're one-on-one with the guards. Yeah. <laughs> so there's some guard who's going, yeah, I thought my person normally was like, you know, it was physically manifested in a human form. Yeah. But no, nah, maybe it was just always see-through. <laughs> People are like, where's your, where's your guy? Oh, I assume he's in the can. It's kind of like whenever we, because um, when I was playing basketball as a kid, anytime you did like man-on-man defense, if your person that you were supposed to be defending like got a goal or something, you'd be like, "Fuck!" Because that was that was literally your only job. Was you. Imagine, but imagine being that guard. You'd be like, "Oh fuck, <laughs> fuck! My guy's gone." Are they constantly yelling, "Man up, man up! Yeah. <laughs> keep on the man, keep on the man!" <laughs> Uh, we were playing a zone D at the time. Yeah, we weren't playing that. The uh, game was, oh, no. Fuck. Uh, so Lorraine was able to sneak onto a train and he hid in the guard's van. Lorraine on the train <laughs> falls mainly on the plane <laughs> of a horse. His patience started to wane and he went insane. <laughs> uh, when he got to Nuremberg... He, uh, he mugged a man in the street, stealing his wallet and overcoat. So Great. you got to play a little dirty. 
He was uh, so close to freedom and decided to walk the last few miles to the frontier. But in a forest, he en- encountered a border patrol, eluding it only when he climbed a tree. Oh. Yeah. So then he got on another train and not wanting to give himself away by buying a ticket, he climbed onto the front of the train and just lay down across the front of the train. <laughs> it was night time and he calculated that the glare of the train's headlights would ensure that no one could see him. He crossed into neutral Switzerland and he achieved the first home run. Oh, wow. Well so done. That's awesome. Okay. Yeah, so he had the money for a ticket, just didn't want to. Oh, because he, oh, yeah, he stole the wallet. Mm. But you, they'd probably ask for identification. Right. And I don't think some of these people that escape, it's very handy if you speak German, but not everyone does. Yeah. Man, how well, tense are those moments in The Great Escape where they're, the escapees are chatting to, like they're having their passport? Passes checked or whatever. And you just have to keep and your mouth shut. They're, well, they're talking in German or whatever, and just watching it, I'm sweating bullets going, holy shit, <laughs> these Nazis are onto them, I swear to God. <laughs> and then they just stamp passport. Yeah. Chapter three. <gasps> the mattress. Oh, there's going to be some boning. Yep. <laughs> Squeaky mattress. <laughs> there's only one way out of this place. Boning my way out. <laughs> Quick, everyone, fuck your guard. (laughs) Distract them with sex. That's what the Germans want. (laughs) And when they fall asleep after that cigarette, you just make a run for it. (laughs) So the the Brits were happy that anyone got a home run. So it's a victory for everyone, but they wanted one of their own. Bit of morale amongst the chaps. (laughs) They chose Peter Allen, a small Scottish man who spoke German to attempt the next escape. Imagine German in a Scottish accent. <laughs> You'd have to do pretty well, wouldn't you? Uh, one problem was, so when you're captured, you don't put a uniform on, you just continue wearing your military uniform that you were captured in. Oh. That's, that's the sort of thing. Like when you watch Hogan's Heroes and they're wearing, you know, the US uniform. But Peter Allen, the Scottish man, when he was captured, he was wearing a kilt, something that would make you stand out really bad in Germany. Yeah. So if you get, even if you got out, people would be like, why are you wearing a kilt? Yeah. Your German would have to be pretty good to get out of that. So they rummaged around and got him some clothes. They, they did a lot of um, their own like, sort of hand sewing. That uh, Amazing. Yeah, all these stories uh, like blow me away. Making your own key. Or it's like the, um, the what's the rock? What's that one in the San Fran place called? All those things they did. They oh, yeah, totally. In, um, sewed Al- together Al- a boat yeah. with raincoats and, and those paper mache heads. Yeah. Like all those things blow my mind. How, how, how many skills people mind. have. Balloon my mind. <laughs> how people have, like, skills and things. Um, it's like... Oh. I'd be useless in these escapes. Useless. They'd be like... You'd what? be useless. I am... I am I'm ruddy useless, I tell you. <laughs> they really, They would not have sent you to the castle, I don't think. No. <laughs> I, think, I think he'll be... Yeah, they've just put you in someone's backyard. <laughs> don't. With, don't like, leave. a lowish gate. Ah, and then you just stay there. <laughs> Do you promise not to leave? Yes, sir. <laughs> Good boy. Like, ruffle your Here's hair. Here's a biscuit. Yeah, and off they go. Here's Come a back biscuit. 20 years later, you're still there. <laughs> Here's a biscuit. It's a dog's biscuit. I'll eat it anyway. <laughs> you live your life as a dog from yeah, now. I'm I can good, see that happening to you I'm in good, war. I'm a good boy. You are a good boy. <laughs> Our dogs live to be 60 years old. <laughs> he stands on his hind legs. Okay, the mattress. Sorry. I said, rummaged around, uh, got him some clothes that wasn't a kilt. They got him a jacket and... Um, they put it on this short baby-faced man and tried to make him look like a member of the Hitler Youth. That's how oh. young he looked. 
the men used some straw mattresses that they'd made, so they often did sort of tasks like that, were going to be delivered somewhere out of the castle. So they hid Peter Allen inside one of the mattresses, which essentially were like sacks filled with hay. Yep. So they sewed him inside. They put like a bunch in a pile, then him in the middle, then a bunch more over the top of him. This sounds like a guy who's about to die. Yeah, I was going to say, how does he breathe? <laughs> well, his biggest problem was trying not to sneeze. Yeah. With all the hay. He was in there for hours. Also, his other problem was that guards often used bayonets to prod cargo <gasps> to check for people trying to run away. Makes sense. But Alan was lucky and he wasn't stabbed this time. Uh, the mattresses were carried out of the castle and were dumped in a local barn. And after lying still for a few hours, when it was quiet, he simply got out, dusted himself off and walked to the train station. <laughs> Cold at uh, closest. Like the, the idea that uh, someone has gone... Bag of hay into the barn. Bag of hay into the... Oh, this is a heavy bag of hay. <laughs> into the barn. Into the barn. <laughs> <laughs> well, someone's getting... Someone's getting a double plush bed. Ooh. Ooh fur mattress. Must be some goose feathers in here. Yeah, they're heavy. <laughs> oh, there's like a whole man's worth of goose feathers in here. Oh, well, into the pub. <laughs> Coldest closest neutral country, Switzerland, was 300 miles away. So once you were out of the castle, the journey really was only just beginning. Mm. Alan didn't want to go to Switzerland. He wanted to go to Vienna in Austria. The resistance had been able to get him a little bit of German currency and he took a train as far as his money would take him. But when he got off, he estimated he was still seven full days of walking to his destination. He's really been around, Peter, has he? He's been to cities that, that never closed down from New York to Rio and old London town. But... No matter how far or how wide he's roamed, you know, he's on his way to the <laughs> to next Austria. country. To Austria, yeah. The guy sang that song, name's Peter Allen. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> Good stuff all. I've been to cities I never call. It's a Qantas ad. Anyway. <laughs> I hope you enjoyed that in America. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, enjoy. Google it. So he's seven days walk away. He's, uh, he's got very little supplies, just a couple of pieces of chocolate to keep him going. Oh, he's fine. So he decided to take a risk. Mm-mm. He flagged down a car to hitchhike. And it turned out to be a consider- considerable risk because the car he flagged down was an SS vehicle. Oh, my The German God. secret police. Oh, oh for no. fuck's sake. Lucky his German was fantastic and he was able to say he was an engineering student. Alan recalled that the ride was the scariest moment of his life. Quote, to be vulgar, I nearly needed a new pair of trousers. That nearly, is a vulgar. He nearly shat himself. But imagine that in a, <gasps> oh. imagine that in a Scottish accent. I nearly needed a new pair of trousers. <laughs> it makes it way funnier. Does it, Dave? <laughs> yeah. Say the whole thing again? No, I'll just say, no, I won't even say it. Uh, the car took him 50 miles, and when he got out, uh, he said he gave the most impressive Hitler salute you've ever seen. <laughs> to try and be like, oh, yeah, I'm a Nazi. Whoa. Try and win him over. He finally made it to Vienna after six days of constant travel and not having eaten. He was exhausted, and even though he'd made it to Austria, he wasn't safe yet because at that time Vienna was under Nazi occupation. They did, however, have a U.S. embassy, and because the USA was neutral and hadn't entered the war at that point, he hoped they would offer him a sanctuary. They rejected him and refused his help, despite the fact that his stepmother, Lois Allen, who for our UK listeners I read was the founder of Fuzzy Felt Toys. <laughs> she was a US citizen and he felt that they would provide him a, a safe place because of this. But he was wrong and super pissed off, so they just rejected him. Oh, that's brutal. So he went back out into Vienna. He was starting to 
faint from fatigue because he hadn't eaten in so long, and he asked a stranger if there was a red cross nearby where he could get something to eat. The stranger said, oh, you can come, you can find some help in here. And when Alan entered the building, he'd realised that he'd accidentally walked into a police station. He had no papers to back up his engineering student story, and now exhausted and starving, he had no choice but to come clean and tell them he was an escaped prisoner. He was arrested and taken all the way back to Colditz, where he was locked up in solitary confinement. No! So he didn't get a home run. Don't go to Austria. Just go to Switzerland. No. Because he thought he was certain that they'd offer him sanctuary. Well, why? No. Oh, is that does that make sense? I don't know if it, like because they they were neutral at that time. Was that okay for them to basically make a guy go back to Nazi prison? I know, but I think that also be, that'd probably also create diplomatic tension if they're like, oh, it's not our war, and we yeah we you know yeah gave right. him somewhere. I don't know. God, that sucks. This show is brought to you by BetterHelp. I got to get something off my chest. Okay, I ate. Your last biscuit. I was that saving has been, them for my wedding. That has been stressing. <laughs> that has been stressing me out. I'm so sorry. I feel a lot better to get that off my chest. You know, keeping things bottled up can affect people negatively, and that had been affecting me. And that feel that's a weight off my shoulder. Yeah. it was delicious. I'm not sorry, but I did take the last biscuit he, that he was saving for his wedding. I didn't know that. <laughs> That is upsetting to hear, but I think I'm going to have to get some uh, positive coping skills, learn to set some boundaries. Mm-hmm. Well, maybe you could give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, so it's very convenient. It's flexible. You can fit it around your schedule. You just fill out a brief questionnaire and you get matched with a licensed therapist. You too can get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com D-G-O today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp. H-E-L-P dot com slash D-G-O. This podcast is brought to you by Squarespace, the all-in-one website platform for entrepreneurs to stand out and succeed online. Whether it's your first ever website or your business is expanding, Squarespace makes it easy to create a beautiful website and engage with your audience. Upload video content, organize your video library and showcase your content on beautiful video pages. You can even sell access to your video library by adding a paywall to your content. Cha-ching. <laughs> you can help with written content on your website with Squarespace AI, which I used to write this next sentence, so check this out. Generate instant, personalised results that know and show your brand identity. Explain what your site is about, choose your tone, and enter what you need to get short or long-form text. Squarespace AI, Squarespace AI makes it easier to go live, stand out, and succeed online. Oh, Dave, if only it could also... Not just write it, but read it too. (laughs) And edit it. (laughs) Hey, sell exclusive content on your site by adding a paywall to sell memberships or courses. Or sell files your customers can download like PDFs, music or ebooks. Man, it's starting to sound like I'm obsessed with money. (laughs) (laughs) And you are. So head to squarespace.com slash do go on for a free trial and to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. Chapter 4. The French Tunnel. That sounds like a sex move. <laughs> all right, grab your guard and give him the French Tunnel. Then when he's asleep, we'll all walk out the front door. I know you save that for anniversaries, but right, it's time for a French Tunnel. Oh, yuck. <laughs> sorry. Uh, sorry that I did that to us. Sorry. In the Matt, year- I'm sorry. Apology accepted. You won't look at me. It's because I've never even... Never even heard of a French tunnel. He's looking at me again. You can continue. (laughs) 
In the early 1940s, nine French officers organised a long-term tunnel digging project, the longest ever attempted out of Colditz. Lieutenant Bernard Casamayou gained access to the castle's abandoned and sealed-up clock tower and recognised that a way out of the prison was to tunnel underneath the castle's chapel and into the crypt. So they gained access at the top of the clock tower from the attic and wanted to dig a tunnel from the base, which was 35 metres below. To help get to the bottom, they started digging through each floor of the clock tower, tunneling a small hole through each level until they got to the ground below. So basically they just cut a hole in the floor, cut a hole in the floor, till they got to the bottom. After previous escaped attempts by Casamayo, the doors, one on each floor, which had provided access to the tower, had been bricked up in order to prevent further escape attempts. However, by sealing up the clock tower, the Germans had in essence provided a secure location where escape tunnel work could be done without notice. Hmm. So basically they'd bricked it up and they thought... We're not even going to look in there because no one can get in there. Uh-huh. But they got up way up high. So they tunneled down all the way to through each floor to the, at the bottom of the clock tower. And they started to dig. They got five metres below the tower and find them, found themselves in an old wine cellar. They needed a place to deposit the earth that they were digging up. So every night, 10 bags of 20 kilos of debris were dragged up by ropes made of bed sheets all the way from the hole at the bottom to the top of the clock tower. So they had to basically lever and pulley them up with uh, bed sheets, th- uh, 35 metres, 20, 20 kilos, which would have been buff as, wouldn't crazy. <laughs> Ten so what a great word. You're losing yeah. more than five kilos. Mm. Oh, for sure. Uh, the men then started digging under the chapel, hoping to get into the crypt, but they ran into a solid wall of rock. To deal with this, they got steel poles out of the clock at the top of the tower and used them as battering rams just to smash the shit out of the rock. This worked a treat. The tunnel itself was extremely sophisticated and even had lights that the men had made out of old food cans. So they're extremely resourceful, these people. It's amazing. They got through the rock and tunneled 13.5 metres under the chapel, only to find that there was no crypt there. All they did find was a solid wooden beam of heavy oak timber blocking their path. It was decided that they would saw through this beam using a knife that was stolen from the Germans' cutlery and then had uh, saw teeth cut into it using a rock. Wow. So they're making their own saws. And with all this action going on below the chapel, the men of the tunnel were worried that they would be overheard by the guards inside. So they developed an alarm system. One of the prisoners would sit in the chapel, usually one of the French soldiers who back home had been a priest, so it would, wouldn't be weird that he was hanging out in the chapel all day. He would be holding a switch to the light in the tunnel, and if the guard came, they would switch the light off. So the men soaring below through this wooden oak, if the light went out, they'd stop soaring instantly. And dissuaded till the light went back on. Wow. Which sometimes was a long time. <laughs> Casamayo sawed through the wooden oak beam every day for a week before he got through it. Because he's just doing little, little bit, little bit. Because he can't be too loud. Only to find that behind it was six more identical oh, wooden beams. Oh, no. So he just kept sawing. It took weeks. Uh, he got through them, but he found that there was no crypt. And more importantly, no way of getting out to escape. So he's like, oh, well, we've been digging this, this way. How about we turn the tunnel this other way and we'll keep going until we find a way out so they're just digging sort of digging aimlessly hoping to get out he swung the tunnel around hoping to find a way out through a different direction only to be facing a three meter thick rock wall that he had no hope of cutting through or knocking over so if you can't go over it you can't go through it you go under it they tunneled straight down for five meters 
<laughs> getting in so to no. get in to get in you have to go into the attic at the clock tower go to the bottom there go you know which is another five meters down then you go through a 15 meter long long tunnel which then turns and now they've dug five meters below so it, it would take like an hour just to get there oh uh they kept digging horizontally once again once they dug underneath this rock bit uh to this point they'd been plotting and digging and soaring for eight months they were hell Eight bent, months. hell bent on getting their freedom. Amazing that not, they've been able to keep it all under wraps. Isn't that crazy? It's a great effort. How do you how do you get away from your guard? Well, it's not like they stay on you at all times. Well, that's part of their fucking problem, isn't well, they it? Should, they should. So at times there's like three on one triple teaming. <laughs> yeah, three on one. French French, that's the French tunnel. That's the French tunnel. Three on one. Oh, I see. <laughs> no, a lot of them are like in guard towers and stuff like that. So right. they're not like sti- they're not they're not like handcuffed. They should definitely go man on they man. They should definitely defense. go man on man. You wouldn't have like how Full could you escape? Press. How could you escape? How you couldn't escape? You couldn't escape. Idiots! Yes, fucking Nazis! One of the people in the yeah, the, <laughs> they're doing in the towers. What the fuck are they doing in the towers? Well, these people are digging tunnels. They should tunnels. all handcuff themselves to the their own prisoner. Yeah, and then like this movie wouldn't be an escape one anymore. It'd be like some sort of a, a like a, a comedy, maybe a romantic comedy, buddy cop. Sort <laughs> buddy, of thing. it'd be a buddy cop. Buddy thing. cop. Yeah. They'd be they'd first they'd bloody hate it, and yeah. then they'd come to appreciate one another, and then they wouldn't be able to live without one yeah. another. And then the German would help. Yeah, prisoner escape because they would have heard them talking about their sick wife or something. Yeah. Like, I'm going to get you back home, buddy. Yeah, but in German. Yeah, I'm going to get you back home. Und. I love you, Franz. I. Why do I sound German? I love you, Edgar. They swap voices for some reason. Ah, it's much. very. That's what friends do. Yeah, pushes the boundaries. Right. This movie. Friends always swap voices, don't don't they, Jess? Yes. <laughs> very good. So they've been going for eight months. Tunneling continued well into 1942. By then, Germans the Germans knew that the French were digging somewhere based on the noise of tunneling reverberating oh, through they the castle even t- at night. Talking to each other. Oh, it was reverberating through the <laughs> castle. Yeah, at so night. you'd hear a bit of noise. You'd be like, "What the fuck is that?" But they just couldn't find where they were doing it. And the Germans couldn't either. The Nazis. The Nazis. Yeah. So they would hear the sounds at night, a little bit of, and be like, "What the fuck is Stick that?" Stick to your man. No. Uh, the French were not concerned because they thought that the tunnel's entrance was undetectable. But disaster struck one day when one of the German guards discovered the dirt they'd been hiding under the eaves in the attic. So they'd been digging this dirt out and putting it at the top of the clock tower, just stashing it. Huh. He reported it to uh, Captain Edgars, the man in charge of security. He instantly knew that it was evidence of a tunnel. But even after searching the castle from top to toe, he couldn't find evidence of the entrance to this tunnel. He didn't think to look into the clock tower... I guess he thought if you were going down, why would you start at the highest point in the yeah. whole castle? Yeah. Which is kind of genius in a way. Yeah, yeah. Edgar's kept finding more and more rock and earth around different parts of the camp and from uh, the different types of soil he could tell how close they were to escape. Wow. <laughs> he knew That's that the tunnel was now outside the castle's walls because the dirt had... had just dig up. Yeah. It's gone from rock to actual, you know, just soil. He thought that they were only days away from freedom. The French tunnelers continued their digging, but Edgars and his men were now on the lookout and formed a search committee. There's many committees inside here. Let them meet every Tuesday. (laughs) Trevor takes the minutes. Trevor, can you read out the minutes from uh, last last time? Oh, with pleasure, sir. Uh, It says here, where the fuck are they? We need to find them. 
fuck, 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 fuck. Bake sale first Sunday of the month. We need snacks next time. Someone bring snacks. At the beginning of 1942, the prisoners were just two metres of soil away from breaking out completely. They'd been digging now for nine months. But then Edgars found the tunnel entrance. The German soldiers very bravely lowered a small boy down. (laughs) (laughs) God, God, you're lucky you weren't around back then, Dave. You'd be the first one in the tunnel. Go on there, young Dave. Oh, no. Uh, Apparently what the kid yelled was, Prisoners! Little shit. You'd be like, shut the fuck up, shut the fuck up. No, nothing down here. Nothing, down here. nothing to report. <laughs> shut up, you shut your, you shut your fucking mouth. I'll take you with me. The jig was up. No. Oh, brutal. The search committee that found the entrance to the tunnel was rewarded with extra leave. Edicus himself was so impressed with the work that had gone into it that he commissioned a survey of the tunnel. And a weird thing that Germans did was whenever they, they foiled one of these escapes, they got the prisoners to reenact their escape attempts so they could take <laughs> photos of them. So there's all these photos of like, like um, sad-looking uh, English <laughs> and Frenchmen sort of like poking their head out of like a, a toilet or something because they were trying to escape through it. <laughs> I like, do you like how the, the, uh, the Nazis, like, whenever someone busts something, they give those people who were smart enough to figure it out leave. Yeah. So eventually There's no smart all, their, people <laughs> all their best guards are going to be on leave. And they're just left with the night shift. <laughs> oh, man. This is fun. See, French tunneling is always ex- was always a disappointing experience. Well, not for everyone. Isn't that, well, don't, doesn't it normally end with a boy being... Lower down. Lower down and yelling out, prisoners. <laughs> and, people, and men yelling, you shut the fuck up. You shut up. It's a wild thing. It's exciting. It's a wild manoeuvre. Chapter six, teaming up with the Dutchman. Oh, this is another sex move. <laughs> it does sound like it. Yeah. this is. A, I hadn't planned on this. So some threesome them, is what you're describing there. Some of them are less intriguing. and <laughs> It's an orgy. Teaming up with a Dutchman <laughs> makes a threesome to you. I guess your, your picture is pre-coupled. Then you're bringing in the Dutchman. Is that what you're thinking? Yeah. That makes sense to me. Uh, the Brits were still yet to get a home run, so they decided to team up with the Dutch. Englishman Airy Neve teamed up with Dutchman Tony Luton. Neve had noticed from his window in solitary confinement that there may be a path underneath the, the stage of the castle theatre. So just decided that the prisoners were allowed to put on shows for each other in the, hope, in the hope that it would distract them from escaping. Sure. <laughs> yeah. And um, some of them um, would... Uh, dress... A quick ball change. <laughs> a two, three, ball. <laughs> well, they'd have to play the male and female parts, and I've seen photos of them. Some of them were very convincing women. Mm. Oh, there's pictures of my dad in the 70s at an all-boys school, like, dressed up as a woman, and he was a very pretty Looks girl. very good. He's gorgeous. It's like, who's this babe? That's your father. Oh, okay. Okay. <laughs> I'm confused. <laughs> <laughs> so am I. <laughs> I went. I'm, I went to a boys' high school. I went, I'm, I'm sure I played a woman. I always a, played men. I, I had long hair back then, so I think uh, I was the obvious choice, and obviously very beautiful, of course. And, as all as all women and are. And a very good actor. Yep. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> Amazing. Ooh, I say. Uh, Neve was right about the tunnel under the stage, but the problem was that whilst the path got them out of the prisoner's courtyard, it led to another walled courtyard occupied by soldiers. To get them through this, the men decided to dress as German soldiers. The Dutch had coats that looked a bit like the German coats, except the collar on the German coat was green, so they uh, added this on with paint 
from the theatre. They used to build the sets. They also had to make fake German officer hats, including the prominent Nazi eagle, which they decided to make out of linoleum and so on. Hat, like to make them believable would just be it's so crazy. much work. It's crazy. Luton was dressed as a captain and the Englishman Airy Neve was made out to look like a first lieutenant. The disguises were considered, quote, good enough to pass on a dark night. That's all you need. Most nights are pretty dark. Yeah. They were a bit worried about the plan. They didn't know what their fate would be if they were caught in a German uniform. They thought that perhaps that would be a crime that they would punish with death. But they went through it anyway, very bravely. Uh, they went underneath the stage and into the soldiers' garrison. Airy Neve and his companion, who were dressed as high-ranking officers, were told by the first century that there was, quote, nothing to report, sir. Mm. <laughs> they asked a second German soldier, who was about to challenge them, why he was not saluting them. So they sort of distracted him. And uh, he, he was about to be like, show me your paperwork. And they were like, where's the salute, boy? And they yeah. sort of, he was like, sorry, sir. Uh, yeah, sorry. Yeah. He promptly saluted and they just walked on. Minutes later, they were throwing their German uniforms into the river <laughs> and starting their journey to Switzerland. Uh, they did make it all the way and it was the first home run for the British. The Brits were re- rejuvenated by the success and it spurred on men to attempt more escapes. The group started acting more together with other nationalities after the success and from 1942 on, the British escapologists were able to rely on the collective ingenuity of the camp. Yeah. So everyone's like... Let's that do makes this. sense to me. Totally. What, I mean, so we're, they're this? all fighting a war together. Yeah, 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 true. You're all on the same team. So, yeah. um, so what do we got? That's three, three countries with a run now. Yes, we got the Dutch, the English, and the French. All all have a home run. And in 1942, there was where are re- the Aussies? Hey, there's there's very few Australians. It's interesting they were calling them home run seeing as none of them are like classic baseball playing countries. Yeah, yeah true. could have called them a goal or something. Mm. Mm-hmm. I guess hi- the home part. Um, a touchdown works. An ace. <laughs> they're running away and they're going a home. hole in one. Yeah. Yeah. Seven hole in ones. Croquet. Yeah, a croquet. We scored a croquet. Yeah. I don't I- know how they score croquet, but I like it. <laughs> Well, one croquet, two croquet, three croquet, four, five croquet, six croquet, seven croquet, more, and you win. If you oh, get to more, you, you, get more you win. Yeah. It's like tennis. Yeah, yeah. yeah but yeah. more. But more. Yeah. <laughs> 15, Even more like tennis. 15, 30, think. more. Yeah. Yeah. Gotcha. Now this, I'm More all. In 1942, there was a record 82 escape attempts. Whoa. Nearly two a week. So most of them, they don't get out, but they're just constantly trying, constantly trying. A couple of weeks, that would be exhausting for the guards. Oh, they would. Not that I'm on their side. <laughs> well, the prisoners were didn't treat the guards that well. They did what they called goon baiting, basically pissing off the guards with little pranks like water bombing them and <laughs> you know, setting fire to stuff, <laughs> throwing poo at them. Mainly just harassing them to distract them from their real escape plan, so yeah. they'd have to deal with this little crappy sort of, you know, annoying stuff all the time whilst Jones is bloody under the stage drilling away. Amazing. Uh, they developed a series of complex hand signals to indicate to each other which way the soldiers were going. Yeah, yeah. pointing? Pointing. <laughs> complex. Well, they pointed with two fingers. Oh. oh. Nazi fingers. And the resistance at home was able to help them out by smuggling them things to help escape attempts. Uh, they send Nail them files. Well, things that are like that. They're given things that looked innocent, like inside they'd send them a record to play on the gramophone. Oh. But then they'd smash the record, and inside was a map. Oh, the backs of cards could also be put together for a giant map. They were given uh, compasses hidden inside things like pens. 
all things that sow once around because you know you're in the middle of a country you don't really know very well so the more help you can get once you're out yeah. the better I was thinking that before like with the the Scotsman who was in the bag of hay and then walks to the train station I wouldn't know where the fucking train station is. I don't know where the train station is in most Melbourne suburbs. <laughs> you got to try and find the train. Without Google Maps, I'd be like, oh, just wander around aimlessly. They also sent them pens with Google Maps. Oh, that's wow. so That handy. was really handy. Really handy. Chapter six. <gasps> no, I thought we did six. That chapter, was six. Chapter seven. Yes. The nudie run. Yes! <laughs> I'm on board already. The leader of the British resistance, Pat Reed, was himself able to escape. He made another copy of a key to a door that would lead them to freedom, and after walking through a courtyard at night with three other men dressed in dark clothing and not being spotted by patrolling guards, which is amazing in itself. There's spotlights, there's men patrolling up and, up and down everywhere, so they're just very quietly sneaking around. He got to the door, found he couldn't open it. He spent an hour jiggling it. Trying to get the key in there. You know, like when you get a key in there, it's like a little bit there. And like, no, no, fucking no shit. No avail. Mm. Never one to give up, he decided to take the men to another place where he heard that there might be a storage cellar. He was right, and inside there was a tiny air shaft that initially he wasn't able to get through. He wasn't able to squeeze through it. Oh, my God. So he took all his clothes off. Yes. To make himself as small as possible. And he found some olive oil. <laughs> yeah. Well, he scraped the shit out of his body, apparently. Oh, see, because he didn't lube himself up. He, you got you to lube up. You got to lube up. He was able to squeeze through. You got any grease. <laughs> oh, Simpsons. Really? Crease me up, woman. Oh. Are he and the three yes. men? Yes. Yes, we do. <laughs> Real good stuff. Uh, he and the three other men, uh, they all got naked, squeezed through. They, so they throw their clothes through. Yeah, that's smart. Go through. Kind of. Um, I would forget to do that, and I would just go out naked, and then be like, "Oh fuck, fuck!" Well, to me, maybe what they would have done was left the clothes with the last man, and then he threw it. Because imagine if you threw your clothes through confidently, and then you couldn't get through. Yeah, they've got to go back to the barracks, and <laughs> you don't point. have any clothes. Great point. But they made it, and they made it to Switzerland. So another few home runs for oh. the Brits. Nose to ass up a tunnel like that, nude. Oh, uh, that is no, that you... is a that's French tunneling, and you've. <laughs> No, that's French tunnel. No, that's you're a giving, French tunnel. You're giving them quite a bit of space before you start going, aren't right. you? You're not going to. Well, you want to get I mean, out, though. I mean, you I are. Know, but, a lot mm. of the time you have already crawled through a sewer. Right. Interesting. Nose to us. Oh, imagine if someone farted in your face. Oh. What chapter am I up to? Eight. Eight. Chapter eight. A beautiful woman. Oh, question mark. Question mark. It's not going to be a Not all the escapes were successful, obviously. Uh Uh-oh. So they're trying a lot of stuff. On the 5th of June, 1941. Two two attempts a week, they'd all be out if they were all successful. Uh, In 1941 in June, while returning from the park to the castle, walking back up the hill, some British prisoners noticed that a passing lady had dropped her watch. Being Uh British gentlemen, one of the Brits called out to her, but the lady just kept walking instead of coming back for her watch. This aroused the suspicion of the German guards who no. until that point they had, it hadn't crossed their mind that a civilian woman shouldn't be in this restricted area in the first place. They just sort of all looked at this beautiful woman. Upon inspection, she was revealed to be a French officer dressed as a very respectable lady. Back to the castle. Oh, but the oh, English so the guys English. Like, yeah, so accidentally... Excuse me, excuse me, you've dropped See, your watch. Sh- and sh- this is what chivalry gets you. Yeah. She's thinking, fuck, fuck off. 
But like also time your escape a bit better so that people aren't walking past you. But yeah, why are you Oh, okay. Yep. Bummer. Bummer. Chapter 9. The Sparky. Oh, somebody uh, the lights went out and they got an electrician in. Oh my god, exactly <laughs> right. <laughs> One of the men looked remarkably like the local electrician. <laughs> which is crazy. A man named Willie. Of course his name's Willie. So they purposefully blew the circuits of the lights to the castle. You know, they just <sighs> fucked around with a fuse box so that Willie would have to be called out to the castle. Willie came in and a few minutes later, the officer that looked like Willie went out dressed in a similar outfit to him. So good. Tried to walk out through the front gate. Unfortunately, the fake Willie showed a pass that had just been updated. Uh. So he wasn't allowed out. He was, he was caught and there's a photo of the two Willies that they... The Germans took a photo of them together and they look so similar. Oh, should, right. I, should I Google two willies now and see yeah. what comes yeah, yeah, up? Yeah, yeah, no. Google two willies. <laughs> Google two, two German safe, safe. willies. Two German willies. That'll be much yeah. safer. <laughs> no, no, no. Two German penises. Wait, no. <laughs> <laughs> you idiot. German willy penis. Oh, hang on. Chapter 10 The Ghost. Oh, my God. Okay, firstly, sorry, can I just quickly go back one step and say that that was amazing that I picked. That was incredible. That they, oh, Amazing. From Sparky, which, yeah. is, which is... All right, Matt. Which only means one thing. It's amazing that you knew Get that. Get fucked. Okay, you pick this one. I reckon over, we, we probably on. should say that, that that slang for an electrician in Australia. Spark, go on, Matt. Sparky. I think that's an English thing, isn't it? Or is it... Oh. Well, we do it. It seems like a we bit of a... Colloquial Aussie. I think, okay, I think maybe. Matt, Matt? I think a lot of our colloquialisms are. If it's that easy, nail it from the ghost. Go on. Tell okay. us what oh, happens in this one. Yeah. As if you don't, you know already. Do you, you want me to say it? Yep. Well, one of them kills himself so he can walk through the wall to safety. One of, not okay, that can, far, I have honestly, can I have a guess? Not that far off. One of them puts a sheet over himself, <laughs> walks around for a bit going, ooh, it's a bit too spooky for some of the guards, and out he goes. Ooh, I'm an electrician. Ooh. Not a sparky, he's a spooky. <laughs> Just for our overseas listeners, a spooky is someone who looks like a ghost in Australian colloquial language. Some of the prisoners were known as ghosts. What they would do is fake an escape attempt, and then, but they would never actually leave the castle. They would hide, and whenever someone would make a successful escape attempt when they got out of the walls, once they were gone, the ghost would reappear and pretend to be them so they'd never notice that that person was missing Like they, for a couple of days. So they'd sleep oh. in the person's bed, eat in their spot in the mess hall, and be, be counter to them in the lineup in the morning, sort of take their place, wear their uniform, that kind of thing. Then after a couple of days, they would disappear again, meaning the Germans didn't know that the escapee had a two-day head start. So they'd be like, oh, you know, Elaine's just left, yes. really. He's... So they'll be looking in a smaller yeah. perimeter. Yeah, they'd be close by, but really he's halfway across Germany. So good. I love Shit, this. Shit, what teamwork. Oh, the ghosts often lived a tough life, often hiding in uncomfortable spots, and they were no longer able to write to their families because they had to pretend to not be there anymore. Wow. So back home, you know, they'd be getting, you know, a letter every few few months, but They'd have to no, cut nothing. that off. Wow. Crazy. And what? And they were just doing that for, for the greater good or the good of their friends or whatever. 
So cool. Yeah, wow. I would not do that for you. Hope those I hope those guys got some of those metal things. For ghosting. Yeah, ghosts you should be there should be a ghost cross. <laughs> it's invisible. <laughs> Chapter eleven. Oh my god. The red fox. Matthew. You are the red fox. <laughs> yeah. What? <laughs> Is this one where the fox um eats the prisoner and then jumps the fence and then the prisoner out again. So close. Great. God, you're good. Uh, Amazingly, the Geneva Convention had been respected up until this point and all those that escaped and were recaptured simply returned to Colditz. It was a rule that escaping prisoners couldn't be shot. Mm. But in 1943, Hitler made a decree that any enemy soldier caught out of his uniform in either civilian or German clothing was to be treated as a spy and shot on sight. Whoa. So this made escape attempts much more dangerous. Because obviously you can't see If you're outside the castle in your uniform, you, you're going to get about five minutes away. A man who was not afraid of this ruling was Britishman Michael Sinclair, who had escaped from prison so many times that he was nicknamed the Red Fox. Classic mm. multiple escaping animal. <laughs> He's sly? He had a, bi- he had a big rep. Big, big oh. rap. It had been noticed that he looked a lot like, amazingly again, German guard commander, a German guard commander that everyone called Franz Joseph. Because that was his name? No, actually not his name. He was nicknamed that because he looked like an, an oh, Aust- it's so complicated, sake. an Austrian leader from like the late 19th century, wow, I believe. Okay. All right. His real name was harder to pronounce and everyone called him Franz Joseph, so I'm just going to call him that. Franz was a high-ranking commander, and if Michael Sinclair could impersonate him, the plan was to relieve the German guards of their duties, swap them with British soldiers dressed as guards, and if successful, the British would have about three and a half minutes for as many men as possible to descend from the British quarters overlooking the side of the castle via ropes made of sheets. Oh, my God. And they could all just make a run for it. Basically, they wanted to do that before the real German guards returned to the guardhouse with the real Franz Joseph where they discover the ruse. See, they have about three and a half minutes. This plan took many months. For one, they had to make fake guns and uniforms so that three men could look like German officers. And Michael Sinclair had to study Franz Joseph's, Joseph's mannerisms so he could impersonate him perfectly. Also, he needed to get a sweet fake moustache because he looked like him, except he didn't have a moustache. Grow one. Some of us can't, Jess. <laughs> I've spent my entire life trying to grow a Franz Joseph. <laughs> Feels like that might give the game away as yeah, well. If you... <laughs> yeah, if you start growing and people are like, yeah. man, you look a lot like Franz Joseph. Shut up. He's, he's coming here soon, isn't he? Shut up. Shut up. Stop talking. Finally, the night came after many months and the fake Franz Joseph and two Brits dressed as German soldiers with fake guns made of wood. <laughs> Crazy. Put the plan into action whilst dozens of prisoners watched on silently. The first two sentries were replaced without argument. So he walked up to them and said, you're relieved. This guy's taking over from you. And because he was such a high-ranking guy, they didn't question him. All they needed to do now was relieve the man on the front gate. The fake Franz Joseph walked up to him. The soldier guarding the gate refused to budge, remaining adamant that his orders were to stay put. Sinclair was now faced with the choice of either persisting with a stubborn guard or making a run for it with his two colleagues. He decided to continue with the ruse. He became increasingly annoyed with the sentry, yelling at him in German, and it was not long before other guards arrived from all over the camp because he was oh. yelling so much. In the confusion, 
It appeared as if Mike, dressed as Franz Joseph, was w- reaching for a revolver, which he didn't even have, so the guard shot him. <gasps> he fell to the ground, and the disguise was so good that initially the Germans thought that the real Franz Joseph was shot. They started panicking because they thought they'd, they'd shot like a senior guy. Amazingly, Michael Sinclair survived. Oh, shit. He was taken to the prison hospital. But sadly... He went on to be the only soldier killed whilst attempting to escape Colditz when in 1944 he again made a break for it. He was shot twice. He was buried with full military honours and the Germans even uh, made a homemade British flag to bury him in because they had such respect for him and he was posthumously awarded the Distinguished Service Order. After the war, he's the only lieutenant to be awarded the medal during the whole World War, whole Second World War for an action in captivity. Holy shit. So, yeah. That's amazing. Chapter 12. Oh, my God, there's so many chapters. I believe this is the final chapter. Chapter 12. The cock. Finally mm. one that's not a sex thing. Yeah, finally. <laughs> I was getting really sick of Just his Just talk about the mouth. war, mate. It's all smut with this one, isn't it? Hmm. Sadly, as the war went on, the escape attempts became harder and harder. Probably the most ridiculous escape attempt of all was the Colditz cock. The Colditz cock was a name given to a glider that men attempted to build in order to fly out of the castle. <laughs> Amazing. Because well, roosters can't fly. Is that... They can glide, though. I guess that's the point, right? That from a height, a chicken could sort of glide down. I suppose if you threw a chicken off the roof, it could glide. I don't know. It'd flap its wings enough to break its fall, wouldn't it? Yeah, I reckon. Let's try it. <laughs> In the no. name of science, no. we're gonna throw this rooster from this castle. We just we could just watch that um, that Wallace and Gromit that uh, Aardvark, Aardman movie, Chicken Run. Oh yeah, I think that might be the whole plot line. The whole premise is that they can't fly properly. Uh, the idea for the glider came from Lieutenant Tony Rolt. Rolt, who was not even an airman, had noticed the chapel roof line was uh, completely obscured from German view. So if you're up on the roof, they can't see you up there. He realised that the roof would make a perfect launching point from which the glider, a glider could fly across the river, which was about 60 metres below. Construction took months and it was built completely in secret, hidden away behind a fake wall in one of the castle's attics. <laughs> so they built a wall and they'd come in. And the wall was so good that the Germans didn't notice that one of the attics was six metres shorter than the other. <laughs> it's amazing. The takeoff was scheduled for the spring of 1945 during an air raid blackout, but by then the Allied guns could be heard and the war's outcome was fairly certain. The British escape office decided that the glider would, should only be available for use in the case that the SS ordered the massacre of the prisoners as a way to get the message out to approaching American troops. So basically, they start shooting everyone, get in the glider. Wow, that's full on. The glider was approaching completion when the American army liberated the camp on the 16th of April 1945. So it had never been flown. But they proudly displayed it to the Americans. That's great. Imagine how would the Americans have liberated the castle? Like how, that's crazy. Well, basically, they st- they came into the town and they started shooting at the town and they had to make... F- uh, shooting what- at the town? Yeah. yeah they had to, and at the- Cop this town. <laughs> Eat my lead. Well, well, then they were like, we just got to... Take f- that letterbox. <laughs> <laughs> Take that town hall. No, 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 no. Who's that goat? Who's that goat again? 
Shut up. The man of a thousand noises. Because they came in with new guns, the Americans. What's that called? That one. That's the Shamagan. The Shamagan. Shamagan. I burnt down the butcher. Um, in 1999, so well, oh, what I was saying was, they were worried that they were the castle was going to get blown up because all these tanks came across the horizon. So they got all their, they got some white, white sheets and started, you know, white flag oh, ghosting. Yeah, <laughs> and, and ghosted. Um, it's a castle of ghosts. Ooh, oh, you don't can't... blow us up. We are already dead. <laughs> <Ooh>. <laughs> <laughs> Go shoot some letter boxes. <laughs> we, better, we better do what they say. <laughs> yeah, nah, 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 nah. <laughs> oh no, they've got guns too. Yeah, nah, nah, nah. Start impersonating gun sounds from inside the castle. <laughs> oh, they've got a shamel. <laughs> Holy shit. How did they get a shamel? I thought we invented that. <laughs> Uh, in 1999, a full-size replica of the Colditz glider was commissioned by Channel 4 and the glider was flown successfully in the year 2000 on its first attempt. Wow. They would have made it. With about a dozen of the veterans who had worked on it 55 years earlier proudly watching on. No. It their invention, so their specifications, and they even used the same uh, tools that they ha- had at their disposal and the same pieces of uh, materials that they would have used. So good. And That's incredible. I was so flew. sure you were going to say it crashed and it busted <laughs> yeah. in a massive explosion. It didn't have anything <laughs> explosive on it, but somehow it exploded. And those veterans that had survived the war were killed by a glider. <laughs> Imagine that. I don't want to imagine that. No. Their final words were, it's coming right for us. <laughs> Their final words were, no, 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 no. So they tried to shoot it Shoot down. it out of the air with your shamal. <laughs> Postscript. Epilogue. Volume four. Wow. wow. Home runs. This is titled... All in all, there were some 320 escape attempts from Colditz. So you're probably wondering who got the most home runs. Yes. Right. Was it 230 attempts or 230 people attempted? Do you know what I mean? Was it 230 single oh, 300, attempts? Or? 320 three, sorry, three, escape attempts, yeah, sometimes with multiple people. Great. Uh, home runs, five for the Polish, 14 for the British, Ooh. 15 for the Dutch. Oh, just for winning the race on 22 Frenchies. Yes. Wow. Good job, Frenchies. Freedom fries. And a final thing I will say here is an honourable mention must go to the final escape, the final person to make it. In 1945, before they were libera- liberated, it goes to Lieutenant Colonel Miles Belfrage Reed, the oldest British prisoner in the camp. He feigned heart disease by smoking heavily and drinking concentrated black coffee prior to a medical examination, and he was sent home on medical grounds. No. No fucking way. Oh, they thought he had heart disease, so they sent him home. They sent him home? Yeah. So if you were really sick, they would send you home. And I think mainly because they didn't want to have to look after you. Yeah, it makes sense. It would be like, why would you want to have to oh, nurse? Use your resources. Totally. Wow. I but really just long, expected them to kill someone like that. How yeah. long uh, before the liberation was that? 
Like, do oh, you just, know? Just a couple of months. So that's pretty funny too because it's like you nearly got out anyway. Made it out. But you would obviously you don't know that at the time. No, you don't know. Of course you don't. But that's pretty funny. And it opposed- is, it's, what a confusing organisation the Nazis are. Yeah. They'll respect their enemies more than their country. Like they oh, no, were so the brutal to, to millions. their own people. Millions and millions of their own people. Millions of people. But then send home, oh, this old fella doesn't look too good. Better send him home. Yeah. Hmm. That's crazy. Post postscript, uh, Calder's Castle is now a youth hostel and museum. What? And it's a dream of mine to go there. On TripAdvisor, it's ranked number one of three specialty lodging in Calder's. Wow, so, so yeah, you could go sleep on a bunk bed in there or something. Yeah, and there's also like the, the preserved bits where people escaped and you can look We've in tunnels gotta and go stuff. There. How cool would that be? We've got to go there. That's we've got a, We've got a few German listeners, but but please tell your friends because we need a few more to make it worth our time to do a live show from Colded's Castle. <laughs> <laughs> How cool would That'd that be? That'd be awesome. But that is my report on uh, Colded's oh. Castle. It's a great report. Thanks, guys. Fantastic stories. I, I do love an escape story. Yeah, well done, Dave. A lot of fun. And I will say I, rem- I remember Colditz because many years ago, probably when it was new, in the, about the year 2000, our timeline in the UK made a great documentary on it, which is now all on YouTube, and I watched it again. Mm. So uh, there's a link to it in the notes of the description. And, yeah, I remember watching that with my dad when I was maybe about 10 or 11 and just being fascinated it. It's and amazing. There's also a famous British board game called Escape from Colditz, apparently, which would be fun to play. Yeah. Yeah, if you're a nerd. <laughs> well, which I'm not. Which I am. I'm not. I'm I'm cool. Well, I've heard just like what just wants to bully people so bad. I want to. Let me. Let me bully. Please. Mm. And thanks to everyone that's uh, followed up and you know suggested that I do that topic after mentioning it on the Charles Upham episode. If you haven't heard that one, a great report that Jess did on a World War II badass. One of, probably one of the baddest asses we've ever spoken of. So check Real that episode out. Real horrible ass. Oh, man. You would not want to be crawling through a sewer with his bare ass in your face. Oh, oh God. Oh, no, no, no. And, of course, it is that time of the episode to say thanks to everyone that's listened to it to this point and also to everyone that supports the show via Patreon. I have two ideas. One, we give them... A team within the castle, like a nationality. Okay. Or two, okay. Why, is, why are you laughing? Well, I mean, they've all already got a nationality, but. No, but just from this, from that. Oh. Or two, we decide whether or not they would have escaped. <laughs> oh, and how? And, and what about we, and we give them a chapter title. <laughs> okay, that's better. And whether or not it would have been successful. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So what we're going to do now is we're going to thank some people that support us via Patreon, patreon.com slash pod. And as announced on last week's episode, we uh, have eclipsed our most recent Patreon goal, which means from April onwards, we'll be doing two bonus episodes a month. So they're exclusive to people that support us on Patreon. So if you want to have two bonus episodes of this month, 24 a year, why not head on over to patreon.com slash pod and there's a bunch of other rewards and stuff on there, including uh, thanking some people and giving them a nationality, apparently. Okay, well, fuck, neither of you come up with a fucking idea. Yeah, all right. Well, I did the chapters. Okay, so it's a great idea. I'm no, sorry I'll, for I'll, ever I'll, speaking and I'll never do it again. Let's do all those things. No, I think we should definitely talk about how they would escape. And, and what nationality they would be. Okay, let's do it all. Let's do it all. I'd love to thank, if I could, from Australia, from far north Queensland in Cairns, Kate Ooh. Jordan. Thanks, Kate Jordan. What nationality? Is she Jordanian? Yeah. 
I guess that makes sense. Pretty good, Jess. It's actually working. Uh, and I imagine, like Air Jordan, she would have flown out of there just on her own body power. Oh, so she would have, like, sort of Should have slam left. dunked out of she there. She jumped Yeah, wall. from the foul line, she would have. The foul line? Yeah. Okay. So what would her story have been called? The? Uh, Air Jordan. The Air Jordan. A bit of product placement in her title. <laughs> She's sponsored. That's good. I like it. Thank you, Kate Jordan. Thank you, Air Jordan. The Sorry, Jordan. you must be so bored of Jordan things. But anyway, we just loaded you up with. <laughs> Thanks, Kate. But you made it. You survived. Oh, she made it. Yeah, she oh, made it well back done. to Jordan. Well done, Kate. On you, Kate. It's a long way back to Jordan from yeah. Germany. She walked it. Oh, she, you know, she rode on the front of a train for a little while. But yeah, she's Superman. <laughs> Superman yeah. on the front of a train. I'd also love to thank from Ontario in Canada, Mac Shildroth. Oh, what a name. Shildroth. Shildroth. Mac. Mac. What nationality? Scottish, surely. Yeah. Scott. Chapter title, The Big Mac. Yeah. The Big Mac. The Big Mac. Oh. So they're a large person. Ate their way out. Yeah. Ate through the brick. Ate through the brick. Ate a bit at a time. Made it. Made it, but not be, not by escaping, but by people going, oh, they're sick. Let's send them home. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And Matt that got, was the plan all along. Matt got so sick from eating rubble that on day two he just started vomiting everywhere and they were like, get out of here, bud. Yeah, this guy's, this guy's vomit, not okay. Vomiting rubble. He's really unwell. All right, thank you, Mac. And from examining the vomit, they could tell just how far he'd been digging. <laughs> the different type of soil he was vomiting out. Like, hmm, yeah, look at he's only a couple of days out. <laughs> he's only a couple of ways, a days away from eating his way out. Maybe we should keep an eye on him. No, let him roll, roam amongst the garden. We'll find it. Let him be free. We'll find his tunnel that he's eating his way through. Would you like to thank some people, Dave? I would. I would like to thank from New Holstein in Wisconsin, America. I would like to thank a very hard name to pronounce. It is first name XZ, surname Neil. I think it's pronounced GZ. <laughs> One more time. GZ. 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 Neil. You're going straight for the Z sound. What we need from you is a bit of an X at the start. GZ. Oh, GZ. Yes. No, you're doing it perfectly. Oh, sorry. Okay. Oh, my no, God. I was talking to Dave. You were nailing it. Dave. I said we. What? Yes, Dave. Okay. Thank you. All right, let me have another go. Come on, I can do this. Go on, one more try. Yeah, there it is. Neil, thank you so much. Where is a uh, ex- Neil is Serbian. Okay. And ex- how about I come up with the chapter title and you tell me what happened in it? Okay. okay. <laughs> It'll be obvious, but okay. The bloated hippo. What he did was he got a hippo delivered to the castle. Okay, okay, which he could do through the Red Cross. Yeah. Could do that through the Red Cross. And the guards were like, what's going on here? So they all gathered because, hey, I mean, it's a hippo. Turns out it's a Trojan horse sort of thing. Ah, oh, Trojan hippo. Trojan hippo. Much better chapter title, by the uh, way, Trojan hippo. Should have gone with that. And uh, a bunch of allies. Trojan came, allies. Came out of the hippo, killed everyone. And uh, killed everyone. They all got away. Even so the prisoners. did ex- <laughs> everyone get out? Was dead. Everyone was did, dead. Did ex- get out, or they the killed one. in the crossfire? No, only one. Only one that got out. They got out. Wow. So that's three home runs so far. Yeah, oh. Listen, to pretty good. Thank you. As if we're going to say somebody didn't make it. Well, I've got a bad feeling about this next person. Okay. 
all the way from Libertyville, <laughs> which ironic name if they do not make it, mm. in Illinois, also in the USA, I'd like to thank Melanie Blair. Melanie Blair. Blair Witch Project. Love it. Whereas Melanie is a French person. Yep. So the most home runs. Yeah, go Mel. Mel B. Mel B. Um, her chapter title is The Sporty Spice, even though that's Mel C. Mel C. See, that's the confusion. Huh? <laughs> that's yeah, the that decoy. was on purpose. Mel B pretended to be Sporty Spice. Uh huh. And she was let out the front door. Wow. Because, they, yeah, they're not big fans of but Sporty Spice. But she did not make it. She drowned in the river. <laughs> wow. Whoa. Yeah. Jeez. Didn't see that coming, did you? Didn't no. See that Neither well, did she. I mean, she could have got caught or something. You just well, went that's straight why to you, death. That's why you don't text and walk at the same time, Mel, Mel B. Oh, that's true. Well played. But her ghost lived on. Oh, definitely. Ooh. Ooh. I tell you what I want, what I really, really want. Zig zig Can I thank some people? Yes, you certainly can. Sir, I would like to thank from uh, a local, from Carnegie, I would like to thank Tom Arthur. Uh Tom Arthur. Thank you, Tom. I'm thinking Carnegie Hall, USA. Okay, interesting. An American An American? Um, And what would Tom's chapter title be? D.W. All Wet. D.W. All Wet. Yep. So it was a... My sister had as a kid, which featured the character Arthur. Because DW was his sister. Yes. Right. I can't remember anything about it, but I just always found that to be a very funny title. Okay. DW a whole all book, A whole book about a little, I think, hamster. Aardvark. Just getting Aardvark <laughs> going to the beach. Can, is there a whole story in that? Yeah, absolutely there is. All right. Well, they agreed, I guess. <laughs> so is. Is Tom Arthur's story, they just went to the beach. Oh, look, I only gave you the title. What's the story? Well, when you said DWOW, I just imagined that, again, it was another nude escape, but uh-huh. this time their clothes had gotten all wet and they just left a note saying, don't worry, all wet. Yeah. And then they did a nudie run and survived. Don't worry, all wet. Yeah, they were also running out of. We're really worried. What should we do? Oh, these clothes are soaking. Don't these worry. These clothes are partially wet. Oh no, they're, they're all wet. wet. Thank Ooh. you. And did Tom make it nude? Yes. Oh wow. He still lives nude till this day. Yeah. So <laughs> only as a sign of good luck. <laughs> Mel's the only one so far who hasn't made it. Sorry, Mel. Hope but you feel guess, bad about that. Guess lives on. Um, and I'd also like to thank from Pearl River in New York. Gregory Gritman. Sick name. Good name, isn't it? That's GG. Good. GG. Uh, Nationality, Matt? Uh, Ghanaian. Oh. Oh, wow. Ghanan. Ghanaian. 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 Fuck. Fuck. Okay. Chapter title? The Ghanaian. Oh, that's good. I mean, it was quite rare to have a Ghanaian inside yeah, the Allied seems, Prisoner War seems Camp. Seems odd, but uh, okay. And yeah, posed as a. Uh, uh, like a head honcho in the Nazi castle, poses the bishop of the castle and <laughs> created a title. Pope Gregory. 
proposes Pope Gregory. Oh, right. They they just let him out, didn't they're they? They're like, oh, buddy, what are you doing in here? And they're like, that's what I was about to ask you. I'm sorry, there's been a horrible administrative error. We've accidentally arrested Pope Gregory. He's from the wrong time and place. We've got to let him go. He's clearly very lost. But, you know, like the good shepherd, he'll find his way home Some, or something. So did Gregory make it? Yes. Wow, everyone made except Mel B. But Mel B's ghost did. <laughs> oh, right. Sorry. Sorry, Mel B. I really tried for you. Uh, thanks to everyone that supports thanks, the everyone. show at uh, Patreon. We appreciate that a lot. Thank you and goodbye. Later. Bye. This podcast is part of the Planet Broadcasting Network. Visit planetbroadcasting.com for more podcasts from our great mates. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.